Exodus chapter 10 is where we're at. So we're coming up on a quarter of the way through the book, which might surprise some of you. Like, man, we've been in the book for a long time. Like, buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be a while, right? But uh, if I would have asked you at the beginning, how many of you have heard about the 10 plagues of Egypt? How many had heard of the 10 plagues of Egypt? Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Uh, most people had heard of it. Like, oh, yeah, I know what it is. But then the question becomes like, what are the 10 plagues about? And that gets a little stickier, right? We're like, I think I know what they're about. Like, God's really mad. I, th I think that's kind of the general perception. If you are just like walking down the street and somebody's like, oh, you're a Christian. Yeah. Where do you go to church? Riverstone Chapel. What do you guys do? Well, we're studying through Exodus right now, the 10 plagues. And they're like, oh, 10 plagues. God's pretty mad, huh? And you'd be like, yeah, I guess. But actually, you know, as we've studied through this, God hasn't said he's mad one time. Have you realized that? And in fact, if you think about it, if this is in fact God expressing his anger, it's kind of underwhelming, right? Like he's the almighty creator of heavens and earth. And like the only thing he's got in his bag of tricks to like express his anger towards humanity is like to turn water into blood and like bring some frogs and some flies and like kind of like a pillow fight. Right? Like, okay, I get it. It's inconvenient, but that's it. Like, that's your anger? And no, it's not his anger. In fact, if you keep reading through your Bible, you will see the anger of God. This is not the anger of God. God has a lot more at his disposal if he's trying to express anger. Okay? And he actually said that last week. He said, hey, if I wanted to, this could have been over already. It didn't need to be 10 plagues. It didn't need to be one plague. You could have just been gone. If this was an anger of God thing, this would be much different. And he probably would have told us he was angry. He's not into you guessing why he does stuff. Okay? He doesn't say he's angry one time so far in the book. So if the plagues are not about God being mad, they must be about God getting his people out of Egypt. Right? It, that must be the, in fact, that's what God has told us the plagues are about. I need to get my people out of Egypt. But then again, you go to the street, right? Somebody who's not super familiar or maybe even a friend. And you're talking about Exodus, like Exodus, 10 plagues, huh? Yeah, what are they about? They're about God getting his people out of slavery. Why did it take him 10 shots at it? Like he couldn't get him out the first time? He's like, oh man, I tried this. Let me try another thing. Is he like trying to pick the lock? He's like, mm, we're getting there. Is that what God needs to do? He needs 10 shots at it to get his people out of slavery. Is that what's happening here? No, it's not. Okay. So, and people like to think that they have like really well thought out ideas. They're like, I can explain all my beliefs. They're like, yeah, there's actually a lot of like, I don't know. I just know. I can't explain it to you. Like people live like that. And this is one of those things. When I ask you what the 10 plagues are about, most people are like, uh, I know, but I can't. Maybe I don't know, right? And, and we do this all the time with Bible and everything else we live in, right? We're like, I know, I just can't explain it to you. So if it's not about God being angry, and it's not primarily about God getting his people out, because like we said, like God actually said himself last chapter, I could have brought my people out already if that was all I was doing. Let's try this for an explanation of the 10 plagues and why there's 10 of them and why God's going about doing this the way he's doing it. In the first plague is in Exodus chapter 7. Okay? We're in Exodus chapter 10 now. So 7, 8, 9, 10. That's four chapters. Four, cha four chapters, and in those four chapters, 
God has said the word or phrase or alluded to the idea of hard heart 17 times. Write that down. 17 times he said hard heart, hard heart, hard heart, hard heart, hard heart, hardened heart, hard is hard, hardened his heart, hard heart, hard heart. 17 times over and over and over he said hard heart in these four chapters. So maybe, just maybe, this is what the 10 plagues are about. Maybe this is a heart condition thing and not an anger thing or a get my will done and take care of my people thing. Maybe it's a heart thing. So let's look at chapter 10, verse 1, and see what we have here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now, we've had six plagues already. Now, seven plagues already. This is the eighth plague we're going to talk about. The Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. So we might be on to something here, right? God says hard heart again about Pharaoh. And then he says, you refuse to humble yourself. That's a heart condition thing, right? That's, a, that's an inward, that's not an exterior pressure. That's something going on in the heart of a person. Humbling yourself is not an activity. It's a posture of your heart. So write this down. The thing going on here in the 10 plagues is primarily a heart issue, okay? In fact, God spends four chapters, 10 plagues, and repeats himself 17 times about the hardness of Pharaoh's heart to get you to pay attention to the condition known as a hard heart. Seems like a lot of energy God put into this, right? Seems like God really wanted you to understand the hardness of Pharaoh's heart because God is after hearts first and foremost. Now, the condition of your heart is revealed in the things you do. Absolutely. Like some of you have this version of following God that's all about what you do. And yes, the condition of your heart is usually revealed in what you do. But we can't make following Jesus just about the things we do. God is after your heart. Because you can tell me something is important until you're blue in the face. Right? But if you don't actually have that heart condition and it doesn't make its way into the way you live your life, then I know it's false. True heart condition always makes it into observable action. But the reason for the 10 plagues has to do with Yahweh exposing the foolishness and self-deception of a hard heart. Okay, the plagues aren't really about God's anger at all. They're eventually going to bring his people out of slavery. But the reason there's 10 of them and this process takes as long as it does and God spends as much time as he does on these 10 plagues is about exposing the condition of a person known as a hard heart. So let's look at verse four. God continuing to speak to Pharaoh here. If you refuse to let my people go. So he's refusing to humble himself. He's refusing to let that heart condition make it into observable action. He says, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, verse 5, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land, and they shall eat what is left after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they come on the earth to this day. Then he turned out, then he turned, then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. So he says, locusts are coming. Locusts are these grasshoppers. They start to swarm. They cover the earth. They eat everything. 
everything green, everything edible, your Cheez-Its, your mac and cheese left over that your kids left on the table, your dog food, your grass, your trees, all of it. They don't care. They'll eat all of it. Now, if the plagues are about a heart condition, then I don't think it's a stretch to imagine that the plagues are connected to and reveal something about this heart condition. That doesn't seem out of, out, of, out of the ordinary, right? Like when God says hard heart, hard heart, hard heart, locusts, hard heart, hard heart, hard heart, all-consuming destruction from bugs, right? Hard heart, expanding, devouring, swelling devastation, hard heart, accelerating consequences. Like these locust swarms just like pick up steam and build and accelerate in snowball effect, right? Intensity is ratcheting up, severe, no signs of slowing down, hard heart, right? You think those things are connected? Probably. Probably. God's not up in heaven. He's just got like a junk drawer of like plagues. He's like, what do I have here? Like sprinkling some indiscriminately on the Egyptians. He's like, lightning. No, I've used that one before. Earth swallowing people. No, that one's overdone. <laughs> Locusts. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's what God's doing. I think the thing that he is doing is intentional and connected to a hard heart. I think this unsatisfied, insatiable, destructive force of locusts has something to teach us about the condition of a hard heart. So let's spend a little time looking into what this passage has to teach us about Pharaoh's hard heart. Maybe we could take a little inventory here, talk about our own hard hearts, a little self-evaluation, see how we do. Here's where we'll start. So far in our chapter, as God has said, Pharaoh, you refuse to humble yourself. I'm going to bring this all-consuming devastation on your country because you refuse to humble yourself. And you're telling me, Jared, that if I'm a little stubborn, God's going to bring this terrible thing on me? Seems a little overblown, right? A locust plague because of a hard heart? Seems like punishment doesn't fit the crime. Well, you would say that if you had a hard heart, right? <laughs> Here's what I know about hard hearts. They refuse to humble themselves and they never think their hard heart is that big of a deal. This is what Pharaoh's doing. In fact, later in the chapter, his servants are going to be like, what are you doing? He's like, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing because somebody with a hard heart like Pharaoh doesn't ever think it's as big of a deal as it really is. Hard hearts never admit their hard-heartedness or they never admit that their hard-heartedness consumes every part of their life. They're like, yeah, I can get a little angry sometimes. But, you know, life is stressful, right? Yes, I can get a little annoyed, but just because I don't get my way. But who doesn't get annoyed, right? right? I, I can tell you with absolute certainty that hard-heartedness is a way bigger deal than you realize. I can tell you 100% of the time that people who have hard hearts think it's not as big of a deal as it really is. And people who have to interact with people with hard hearts, like spouses and children and co-workers and friends, think it's always a big deal. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with spouses and the husband's like, yeah, I'm a little mad. Or the, the wife's like, yeah, I get a little upset sometimes. And their spouse is like, it's constant. It never goes away. There's never a moment where it's not affecting what we do. It's always so difficult. Everything is just a grind and a frustrating slog. It's always in the back of my mind. This hard heart never doesn't affect our lives. And the people with hard hearts are like, yeah, so I'm a little difficult sometimes. And the people that are in their life are like, always. You're always difficult. 
And the reason is, is because hard-heartedness is so self-deceiving. It's so self-deceiving. You tell yourself it's not a big deal while everyone around you sees it clear as day. It's a really, really big deal. And this is the experience of Pharaoh's servants. They are watching him do this to their country and he's refusing to change. He's refusing to humble himself before God. He's refusing to stop living with a hard heart. And finally, look at what happens in verse seven. Then Pharaoh's servants, verse seven, said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not understand that Egypt is ruined? You're killing us, bro. Our whole life is destroyed, and you think it's not your fault. It's only your fault. They can't believe he'll just sit there and watch the whole country be destroyed and refuse to humble himself. Again, it's self-deception, right? People with hard hearts have this weird thing where they don't know they have a hard heart, they don't know how hard their hearts are, but they think they know how hard their hearts are. Like, yeah, I can be a little difficult. But no, it's awful. It's ru ruining everything. It's not ruining everything. I mean, yeah, it's hard sometimes, but there's people that love me. They get it. It's just me. It's just my personality. So you're sitting there like, I don't have a hard heart, and your spouse was like, <laughs> you're kidding me, right? I thought about having you ask the person who came to church with you if you have a hard heart, but I save your time. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, right? Because if you're like, do I have a hard heart? Right? There's some of you that are like, I know I have a hard heart. You probably don't have a hard heart. There's some of you that are like, I don't have a hard heart. I don't need to ask. You should listen to the rest of this on like turned up to 11, okay? Because hard-heartedness is something that every single person struggles with. It's the human condition. And it's not only not helpful to be like, I don't have a hard heart. It's not accurate. It's not true. Okay. And even if you had a hard heart and you asked the person next to you, like, do I have a hard heart? And they were like, yes. You'd be like, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. Cause your heart's hard. And I can just see this picture where Pharaoh's servants are begging him. If you keep living like this, you, we're going to have nothing left. Your hard heart is going to consume every part of what we have. You're going to let this destroy everything, just like the locusts are going to consume everything. The hard-heartedness, just like the locusts, is never full. The hard-heartedness, just like the locusts, is never satisfied. It consumes, it spreads, it gains momentum until it has destroyed and ravaged every sign, every possible sign of life, exhausted all the hope and sustenance out of a place. That's the exact same thing that the condition of a hard heart does in a life. I read a whole bunch of really fascinating things about locusts this week. We could do like a National Geographic like study right now. We're not gonna. You don't care about that. But locusts are just regular grasshoppers, right? And then for some reason, scientists can't really figure out why, there's this change inside of them. Their metabolism starts going crazy. They just start consuming things and they start eating their body weight in food every single day. Then they change color. They go from green to this bright yellow and black and they start swarming and mating and reproducing like crazy. So you went from normal grasshopper to like crazy, eat my body weight in food, have a lot of babies, locust swarm in a couple days. And then they turn into this billion and billion swarm of locusts. And they say just a small locust swarm can eat 
the same amount of food in one day as 35,000 people would eat in one day. That's a small one. 35,000 people's worth of food gone in a day from bugs. So Pharaoh hears the servants complaining. And this is the picture that Yahweh gives us to try and refuse. This is the picture Yahweh gives us like of this guy who refuses to humble himself and lives with a hard heart. And Pharaoh hears people complaining about this. And he's like, all right, Moses, come back. So look at verse eight. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? So Pharaoh's thinking like, okay, you guys can go, but I want everybody going. That's his question. Who's going to go? I just want to know who's going to go first. And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We must hold a fast, a feast to the Lord. But the Pharaoh said to him, the Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purposes in mind. No, go, the men among you serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And then we're driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So Pharaoh freaks out. He's like, who's going to go? Moses is like, everybody's going. No, your men go. Get out of my sight. That's what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh was thinking like maybe the men would go. Maybe like some key leaders would go. Maybe the old people would go. Young people would stay, watch the kids. Pharaoh is trying. This is what Pharaoh's trying to do. It's what people with hard hearts do all the time. He's trying to not endure the consequences, but continue to live with a hard heart. That's what hard hearts do. They think, how can I get out of this without softening my heart? How can I keep my heart hard and make this work out? That's what hard hearts do all the time. Is there a way I can make this look like I'm trying, but I, can I actually not humble myself and avoid the destruction? Like, can I stay the same and avoid the consequences, but I still don't actually have to do what I know that I'm supposed to do? That's like hard heart 101, right? Can I stay like I am and avoid the consequences? Can I live with my hard heart? Can I do this on my terms? It's the second thing we heard about hard hearts, right? They never think it's a big deal, number one. Number two, they're self-preserving. Hard hearts don't die. They're trying with all their might to stay hard no matter what. They're like cockroaches, man. They just won't give up. They always try to get out of situations without softening. And that's what a hard heart does. Can I get out of this without softening my heart? Can I avoid humbling myself? Can I avoid a situation where I would have to admit I was wrong and actually walk in repentance? Can I go through this while doing as little as possible of humbling myself because I am not going to do something that I don't feel like doing? That's a hard heart. Maybe some of you have had these conversations. I don't have to say sorry. We just have an understanding that we're good now. That's, that's, that's really hard heart, right? That's you trying to like get around humbling yourself, right? I don't have to confess my sin, actually name the ways I've wronged you, right? That's, we don't have to do that, right? We could just move on, sweep it under the rug. I don't need to ask how my hard heart actually made you feel, right? Because you don't really understand what was going on with me when I made that decision, right? My life is difficult too, right? So if you knew what it was like to be me, if I, I can't just explain it to you, but if you knew why I did what I did, then you wouldn't be so butthurt about my hard heart affecting you, right? You're making a way bigger deal of this than it really is. I don't know what your problem is, right? I'm actually the victim here. And this is the weird thing. 
hard hearts, and, and it's kind of connected to this idea of self-exaltation that we talked about last week, where, where Pharaoh was, God was talking about Pharaoh's heart. He's like, you continue to exalt yourself. Here's the third thing we know about hard hearts. You know you have a hard heart when everything has to be on your terms. Everything has to be on your terms. This is what Pharaoh's doing. Yes, you can go, but we're going to do this my way. And you can only take the guys I say, where I say, when I say, I'm going to choose how this goes. And you have to stay close. A hard heart doesn't mean you never do anything good, Okay. So if you're sitting there like, I don't have a hard heart. I do good stuff all the time. That's not what I said. Okay. A hard heart means you only do good things when you feel like doing good things. It has to be on your terms or you're not going to do it. You're like, you know what? I feel like being nice today. I'm going to be nice. Right? That's a hard heart because then when you're like, I don't feel like being nice, so I'm not going to. And I'm telling you, if this is how it's going to be, if you're only going to do the right thing on your terms, in your way, in your timing, under circumstances that you choose when you're feeling like it, there is going to be real problems in your life. That type of heart, that type of hard heart is the type of heart that consumes everything. That type of heart condition destroys all the good things in a life. It won't stop until all the goodness is sucked out and consumed in a life. There's no boundaries for that type of hard heart. Relationships, finances, marriage, friendships, family, your free time, what you consider entertainment, your occupation, your spiritual life, your spiritual relationships, everything will be consumed if that's your heart. If it's always got to be on your terms, the end of that road is a desolate life. Now, there's a couple reasons this is such a hard message for us to hear. First, humans are born with hard hearts, so it's something we all have to deal with. But second, we live in a culture that is essentially engineered to produce hard hearts. We, like America's like, how can we make people's hearts harder, right? Like, if you could like make in a lab a culture that created the hardest of hearts, it would be America, right? And I love our country. I'm grateful for the freedom and stuff like that. But our world is specifically designed to cater to your hard heart. Like if a hard heart wants everything on their terms, let's build a world where everybody gets everything they want on their terms. Like, I don't want to wait for this. Can we do it faster? Can we do it now? Right? That's our world, right? I don't want this. Maybe I want something else. Maybe I want that. Maybe I want options. Maybe I want all the options. Maybe when I go to the store, I want 17 different options for ketchup because I don't know which one I'll actually like. Like, that's exactly the world that we live in, right? It, over and over and over, on and on it goes. The type of culture that we live in trains people to get what they want, when they want it, however they want it, the way they want it, using whatever metrics and definitions of truth they want, and that trains us in hard-heartedness. And what happens is our culture now disciples you in this hard-heartedness and actually celebrates hard-heartedness. So it trains you in it, and then it props up these peoples with the hardest of hearts, and we celebrate them in their hard-heartedness, right? We reward hard-heartedness. And so our political figures and our business practices and our admired leaders and our entertainment choices, even our religious leaders, are celebrated for their hardness of hearts, right? So that's why some guy can get on stage and be like, oh, they're persecuting me. And all the Christians will be like, oh, we love you so much. You're so right. Look at your hard heart, right? 
which shouldn't surprise us because the politicians we love have the hardest of hearts and the entertainment people we love have the hardest of hearts and on and on down the list it goes. And then we end up with F the president bumper stickers and we weren't, where'd that come from? Like why? Because he wanted to run for office? So you deserve to write a bumper sticker that says F you? Like, really? Like, that's ridiculous. I'm telling you, part of the job of being a Jesus follower in 2023 is identifying the ways the culture, even the Christian culture, is training us in hard-heartedness and making intentional decisions to break the cycle. Because you don't live with a soft heart on accident, okay? And what happens is we live in the culture and then we think we can come to church and just slap a Jesus veneer on our hard-hearted culture that we picked up out there and we're living like Jesus. And Jesus said crazy stuff like, deny yourself. Right? You'll find your life when you lose it. Jesus taught that not getting what you want is actually better for your life. Right? Living in discomfort is actually healthy for you. What? Like all this stuff that Jesus said. Now, off my soapbox, back to the text. We see it clearly in Pharaoh's actions. The world Pharaoh lives in tells him about what is valuable. And in Pharaoh's life system, admitting he's wrong is a loss. Do you see that? Pharaoh is like dying to keep his hard heart because he thinks if he says, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I should never have done this, he's losing. But that's the opposite of what the kingdom of God teaches, right? Jesus told us about life. In the kingdom of God, admitting you're wrong is a win. Pharaoh thinks admitting you're wrong is a loss. Jesus taught that confession and repentance is a win. And it's supposed to be a normal, regular part of following Jesus, saying, I was wrong, I did this, will you forgive me? In Pharaoh's value system, backing down, humbling himself, not getting his own way would make his life worse. But in the kingdom of God, backing down, putting others' needs above your own, humbling yourself, not getting in your way, not getting your own way, it actually makes your life better. And here's the end result of the whole thing. Pharaoh won't listen to anybody. And that's what happens in our lives. If we continue to live in the hard-heartedness that the culture trains us up in, we don't listen to anybody who doesn't tell us what we want to hear. Ask yourself, do you have people in your life where if they told you not to do something, you wouldn't do it? Do you have somebody that, that if they're like, don't do that, you'd be like, okay. Right? And some of you are sitting there like, well, it depends on what they told me. Then the answer's no, right? <laughs> because what's that mean? You're like, I'm going to hear what they tell me not to do, and then I'm going to decide whether or not I agree with it, right? So you're the standard, right? That's a hard heart, right? If I only listen to people when I think their ideas are good, right, then you're God, and you're worshiping yourself, and you're just saying, I am the judge of everything. You have to have people in your life that can say, don't do that, and you'll not do it. No questions asked. Or you don't have a soft heart, I'm just telling you, right? There should be people in your life because that is exactly where Pharaoh is living right now. He won't listen to anybody. And I bet he makes some excuse. He's like, I tried to let him go. I said the men could go and they, they wouldn't want to take it. He's like, I, I, tried, I did my best, did everything I could, guys. Did everything I could while the locusts are eating everything in their land. 
He's like, not my fault, guys. Not my fault. And I meet people like this all the time. They won't listen to their spouse. They won't listen to their friends. They won't listen to the consequences they're experiencing in their lives. They won't listen to anybody who is telling them something they don't want to hear. All they want to hear is what they already believe. And if you're not telling me what I already believe, I don't want to hear it. Here's a great question for the car ride home this week. Ask the person you came to church with. Have you seen a soft heart or a hard heart in me this week? Write that down. Have you seen a soft heart or a hard heart in me this week? Like, give me an example. In what ways have you felt I had a hard or a soft heart this week? And here's the, the rules of the question. You just have to ask the question and shut up. Right? Don't be, well, it's because. No, no, don't, don't do that. Just ask the question and don't be anything. And if they don't tell you anything, there's a very good chance it's because they know you won't listen or they're scared of you. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts so they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land and all the hail that is left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts and the locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled in the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as has never been seen before, nor will ever be again. Verse 15, and they covered the face of the whole land so the land was darkened and they ate all the plants of the land and all the fruit of the trees and all that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord and the Lord turned the wind to very strong west wind which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people of Israel go. Here's where I want to end. Do you think Pharaoh knows he has a hard heart? Like, is there any way possible that he's not aware that he has a hard heart? I guess the question that would help us is this. Do people with hard hearts know they have hard hearts? How is it possible to not know you have a hard heart? Well, I got a couple answers to that question. There's three possibilities. One, they know they have a hard heart, they just don't care. Or they don't care enough to do anything about it. Yep, my heart is hard. It's just kind of who I am. I'm a stubborn old dude. Okay. Number two, they justify their hard heart. It's not that hard. I mean, I know it's a little hard to live with, but it's not really that hard of a heart. And it's not hard all of the time. It's just because this thing happened and, you know, this circumstance over here. So on this issue, yeah, I'm pretty hard to deal with. Most of the time, I'm good, right? So they justify their hard heart and they just keep it compartmentalized. They're like, well, over here, I'm allowed to have a hard heart. And the rest of the time, I'm a pretty good person. Okay. What's the other possibility? Here's what I want you to picture in your mind, because I think this might be where most of us live. Pharaoh, at this point in time, is running the most prosperous and successful country in the world. Okay? So if he was in 2023, he's like a mover and shaker in the world. Think like a Steve Jobs or a Bezos or a Donald Trump, right? Or a Bill Gates. He's that kind of guy, right? He's moving. He's doing things, right? Now, when you picture that guy, do you picture him in deep self-reflection? 
Right? Wait, picture Jeff Bezos in your mind. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. If he does, I'm sorry. This is hypothetical. Right? Do you picture him like really thinking about his own character? Or do you picture him on his yacht in the south of France? Right? Do you picture him in a business meeting? Do you picture him traveling by helicopter or private jet somewhere? That's what I picture. I bet that's what Pharaoh's doing with all of his life, right? He's making decisions. He's building a pyramid. He's figuring out canals and watering systems. And then he's just relaxing, having people carry him around on his chariot and being fed grapes and fanned with palm branches. He's so distracted, he probably never even thinks about if he has a hard heart or not. And that's the third possibility. He's so distracted, he probably never even thought about it before. Because here's the thing, your hard-heartedness won't come up in a business meeting, especially if you're successful. It won't come up when you're watching Netflix. The next documentary, your heart's really hard. Like, whoa, I was just watching Stranger Things and this next thing popped up, right? It won't come up on Instagram, right? Your hardness of heart won't come up when you travel internationally. It won't come up when you're shopping. Right? You're like, what's the price of this? Hard heart. Oh, that's weird. Right? We won't get a note, notification about the hardness of our heart on our phones or on our favorite television network that supports our side of the political argument. Right? We can keep ourselves so busy and distracted, we would have no idea if our hearts were hard, let alone time to ask the question of God if our hearts were hard. Now, you, okay, so you might think, okay, Jared, I got it. Hardness of heart, I get it. You just spent 40 minutes yelling at me about how hard my heart is. How do you think I feel? I'm the pastor, right? I'm the one who's preaching through this, right? I prayed for a long time about what book study should we do next? And I felt like the Spirit of God was like, Exodus. It's like getting deodorant for Christmas, right? <laughs> God's like, you should teach on the 10 plagues. There might be something you could learn in there, right? So this is like first and foremost, like God led me for a study of seven weeks straight talking about hardness of heart. Like it's probably for me first. That's my guess, right? So any of that that you've been like, man, he was yelling at me. I was kind of yelling at myself. You just happened to be in the room, okay? Here's where I want to finish. Back to the beginning of the chapter. Look at verse two. Yahweh says this. I want you to tell your kids and your grandkids about this. Wait, what? Yeah, I want you to tell your kids and your grandkids about how this went down. So if God wants this story to be told from generation to generation, what story are we supposed to be telling? Right? If this story is supposed to be told over and over again and passed down, what is the story we're supposed to be saying? Well, there's two things we can learn from this story. One, absolutely, there is a warning about the condition of a hard heart that refuses to humble itself and listen. But second, there's a reminder of how much God loves his people and that he is dealing with the hard heart of Pharaoh like this so that he can show his love to his people and redeem them and bring them out of bondage. Right? So when you're telling this story to your kids and your grandkids, I could just picture like this old guy, right? He's like some grandpa, like leading his kid through the desert. Like his grandkids are all sitting around and he's just like, we can't live with hard hearts, guys. 
like a granddad with his grandson. Hey, buddy, a hard heart will destroy you. But God loves you so much. God wouldn't let his people continue to live with hard hearts. He gave us a great warning because he knew that hard heartedness would consume all your life. He set out the warning and then he reminded us of how much he loves us. Like he's doing all this because he wants to make a way for his people to be with him. That's why this book of Exodus exists. He's producing a people that are his people. So it's like, God's like, I got to get this out of the way. I got to get this out of the way. I got to get to my people so they can come to me. So yeah, there's a warning of hard-heartedness, but there's also this incredible reminder of God's love. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you came in with, right? If you had that stick in your heart, like, man, I think I might have a really hard heart. I want you to hear God allowed that to be revealed in your heart because he loves you. Because he knows if you continue to walk down that road, if you're here this morning, like, I don't have a hard heart. Just, hey, God loves you more than to let you continue to live like that. That's why we tell this story to our kids and to our grandkids. That's why we discipline them in the way. So we say, hey, I know the culture is telling you that hard-heartedness is cool and you getting your way all the time is the best way to live and that comfort is God and you should do whatever makes you feel great. But there's a better way. God loves you too much to let you live in that life because the end of that road is destruction. What if we were the people that told that story? What if that story get told by the way we live our lives, where we look so much different than the culture? They're like, what is going on? You're like, I had a hard heart, and the Spirit of God convicted me. And by his grace allowed it to be softened and broken and step into confession and repentance. And now I tell the story everywhere I go because I can't do anything else. That's the type of people God is trying to produce in this story. Amen? Let's pray, and we'll sing this last song of worship. Father, we're grateful uh, that you don't leave us like you found us, Lord. You don't leave us with the condition of a hard heart, Lord. You want more for your people than that. You don't want people living in the destruction that is this constant self-exaltation. Lord, if there's people in this room who need to be reminded of your love for them, I pray you would do that. They don't have to do anything to earn your favor, Lord. They don't have to do anything to make themselves acceptable to you, Lord. I pray that everybody here is reminded of your goodness and your love for them. But if there are those in this room who you are warning because they are continuing to be complacent about their hard hearts, Lord, I pray that your spirit would give them the gift of repentance. I pray that they would allow, uh, that you would allow them uh, to confess and repent to you first and maybe to someone they've wronged or, or spouses or family members or friends uh, that their hard heart has affected, Lord. And I pray that you would give them the grace to walk in repentance, Lord. Lord, set your people free from hard-heartedness this morning, Lord. And if we're those people that need it, Lord, may we beg you for it. May we beg your spirit to set us free, Lord.